Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. You ready for the word? Every week at Haven, we go to this book. We believe it is the bread of life. We believe that you can base your every move on this book. I know that worship is popular, and we all, we all love the vibe from worship, but you can't live off worship. Worship won't grow you. This book will grow you. This book will change you. And, uh, and so we esteem this word, not the physical book, uh, but the oracles of this book <clears throat> uh, as life-giving. And so I want to... Oh, there's so much here. <clears throat> so we'll just start in verse 1, and we'll see what happens. Um, so I'm not going to have you stand tonight because we're, we're going to be places, so you don't have to stand. Uh, you may be standing all night. So First Kings, the verse, the first, chapter 19, verse 1, <clears throat> Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Jezebel's the enemy of God the enemy of the people of God. And Elijah has just slaughtered all the prophets of Baal, every one of them. He's just prayed down fire upon the altar that was filled with water. You remember the story? No? One of you? All right, praise God. And so he's just called down fire from heaven, right? Elijah's expecting revival. But instead, he gets an angry woman. And the Bible says that Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And she wasn't happy. In fact, she made a, a promise to Elijah. What you've done to them, I'm going to do to you. I just... I just want to say, understand that the enemy understands the power that you carry. And everybody that you've witnessed to, every vision that you've had, that you've written down, that you've shared, every time that you've testified, every time that you've breathed life into a dead situation, every time that you decided to be light in darkness, every time you decided to allow the anointing of God and the authority of heaven to to take control of your life and to to take uh, center stage in a sphere or a space, can I tell you the enemy has taken notice The enemy knows the potential that you carry. The enemy knows the authority that you have been purposed to walk in. The enemy is well aware of the the hands of this creator God that has put you together from the foundations of the earth. Did you hear me tonight? And the enemy is is hell-bent on causing your destruction and your death. And so Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you. She's not impressed with the exploits that have been wrought by the hands of of this man of God. And let me remind you that the enemies of God are not going to be impressed by the exploits that you do for the kingdom of God. The enemies of God are not going to be impressed by your voice. They're not going to be impressed by your anointing. It's not going to be impressed by, 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 by your reach, or your platform. not going to be impressed by your witness. 
And so don't be surprised that when you step out for the glory of God and you start declaring revival in a dry and, and weary land, when you start calling forth streams in the desert, when you start doing your part to make highways in the wilderness for people to access the kingdom, that the enemy doesn't come your way. You're going to meet, you're going to meet opposition. The enemy's not going to lay down on you. He's not going to turn, turn tail and run. He is going to meet you square where you're at. And so if you are actively pursuing ministry, if you are actively pursuing revival, if you're, when I say actively pursuing, pursuing revival, I'm not talking about showing up to church and saying, revival, right? I'm not even talking about showing up to occasional prayer meetings and saying, revival, or testifying about revival. I'm talking about contending for a move of God. I'm talking about allowing the glory of God to take up residence in your own heart, in your own spirit, in your own bedroom, in your own home. I'm talking about allowing the, the presence of God to have his way, the Holy Spirit, to have full reign in your life. Revival. Contending for revival in services and in moments where nobody else is contending. That's a revivalist. Contending for a move of God when the service is dry. When you don't agree with the messages being preached. What do you think a revivalist was? People that cried a lot when the glory was in the room? The world cries a lot when the glory's in the room. Revivals, revivalist isn't dependent on feeling, but a revivalist is stuck on vision. Did you hear me tonight? They've heard something that other people haven't heard. In the previous chapter of our First uh, 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 Kings, chapter eighteen, the Bible says that this man Elijah heard the sound of rain, but there was no rain. And his messenger said, "Bro, you're crazy. Elijah's a revivalist, and he heard something that other people didn't hear. What are you hearing? What are you hearing about your family? What are you hearing about your current?" situation what are you hearing about your future what are you hearing about your calling revivalists hear the word of God Elijah has turned tuned to heaven and he's heard what others haven't heard and so he says to his prophet go and check for rain and the prophet goes and says I told you you're crazy it's not a cloud in sight seven times you know the story I think seven times he sends his prophet go check for a cloud and finally, on the seventh time, he comes back, and what does he see? And isn't that pretty small? That's nothing to get excited about. That's not what Elijah heard, right? But it's all he needed. Woo! It's all he needed, just a glimmer of hope. Just a little bit, little, just a glimmer of God's word, just a little reminder of the promise of God. And he says, that's it. Get on your chariot and go. All oh, the rain is coming. Revival is coming. He himself began to run towards Jezreel. He outrun, he outrun the, 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 the serpent on his chariot. Uh, he was so empowered by the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that's what the Holy Ghost does to his revivalists. Enables you to do what you cannot do in the natural. Wow. And here he is at Jezreel and, and, and the, the, the prophetess of, the, of Baal knows that the atmosphere shifted. But she's not, she's not intimidated. <clears throat> or maybe she is. And so her response, though, isn't to, to run away. She sends out a threat. She says, I want to kill you. And for what, for a myriad, I guess we could say, of reasons. The man of God 
becomes fearful. Verse 3 says, he was afraid, and he arose, and he ran for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. And he went further into the wilderness, and the Bible says he sat down under a broom tree, and there the angel of the Lord visited him. And ministered to his physical needs. Can I tell you that the Lord is concerned not just with the spiritual you, but the physical you? He's concerned with the physical you. And if you brought an ailment tonight in the house, if you brought a physical sickness in the house tonight, if it's an emotional issue that you've brought into the house tonight, the, the, the God that we serve has come to minister not just to the spiritual you, although that takes priority. Here, it didn't take priority. It was actually his physical need that took priority. And he began to feed him and began to allow him to get drink. Not once, but when he woke up from the rest after the the miraculous uh, uh, delivery of, of, of bread and water, he wakes him up and he says, now eat again. Amen. And so and the Bible says that he goes for a 40-day journey, right? And where is he going to go? But a cave. The Bible says in verse 9, well, I think I should read. This is probably, this is probably good. Verse 8 says, and he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Hmm. Does that sound familiar to you? The Holy Spirit didn't pen those words uh, uh, by accident. This is Mount Sinai. This is the same place that Moses, some some theologians believe that the cave that he found himself in was the same cave that Moses hid in the cleft as the glory of God came by. And the Bible says, the Bible says in verse 9, there he came to a cave and he lodged in it. Amen. You ever been there? Discouraged? Disappointed? Fatigued? Because you've worked so long and so hard and you've not seen what you wanted to see. The thing didn't work out like you thought it would work out. To my young adults and my old adults in the house, things just haven't planned and panned out like you thought they would. If you, if you were a child and you could predict and you could hope for it, this just wasn't it. You ever been there? This is where Elijah was. And Elijah thought that this place was going to be a place of his death. I come to tell somebody tonight, your cave is not your grave. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I said your cave is not your grave. Now, I don't know what's driven you there. I don't know how you found your way uh, to, to a place of isolation, to, to the, the place of, of darkness, <clears throat> A place of aloneness, maybe a place of retreat. But the Holy Spirit is speaking in the house tonight. He says, The cave is not your grave. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we see that that our our prophet, the, the subject of our text, the subject of our of our text is on the run. He's on the run because of 
for three and a half years, he's contended for revival. And instead of seeing revival, he, 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 he sees his life in ruin. What he thinks his life is in ruin. And he's convinced that his work in the earth is done. And he's convinced that his work in the earth has been failure. I didn't mean to speak to any adults in the house tonight, but to the one in the house that believes that your work has been failing and failure and perhaps that God is done with you. Oh, he's brought you to a cave. Oh, to speak, maybe to reveal and expose what you've been depending on. That's what he did here with the man of God. He exposes to Elijah. Elijah says, it's just me. I'm the only one left. I may as well take my own life. And what is the Holy Spirit doing while he's in the cave? The Holy Spirit, the word of God comes and says, what are you doing here? Don't you know, son, that I'm not done with you yet? Don't you know that there's still a work for you to do? Don't you know that the task ahead is great and I am sufficient enough to carry you on? Don't you know that the promises of God are yes and amen? Don't you give up on my word, revivalist. Don't you give up on my word, son. Don't you give up on my word, daughter oh I've only just begun maybe I had to bring you here to show you that it's not by might and it's not by power it's not by your might it's not by your power oh but it's by the spirit of the living God quit depending on the fruit of your hands and what you've labored for Elijah oh so it didn't work out like you thought it'd work out oh Jezebel didn't turn her heart to the God to the to the Lord all the people uh, haven't turned their heart to the Lord oh but don't look now I've got 700 all oh, that I've been ministering to that have been rising up and there's still a work for you hallelujah to God the cave reveals what we've tried to conceal you could write that down the cave reveals what we've been trying to conceal and doesn't it though oh those those cave seasons that the Holy Spirit inevitably providentially brings us into those wilderness, those wilderness seasons that he, that he, in his foreknowledge, has prepared for us. Often, he uses these moments to reveal what we've been depending on. Elijah's not a sinner. He's not even wayward. He's discouraged. He's depressed. I don't know, maybe you've been a believer all your life and you've never been discouraged and you've never been depressed. Good, but don't look now, it's coming. It's coming. And the moment you step out, maybe that's why, you've not stepped out to do anything great yet. And the moment you step out, discouragement's going to come because it's not going to work out like you think it is. But I promise you this, if you'll stay to it, it'll work out better. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to go ahead and minister to myself tonight. <clears throat> Amen. And so the cave, the cave reveals what we've lived often to conceal. <clears throat> Look at in Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3, it says, And he humbled you and let you hunger, and he fed you with manna. He let you hunger only so he could be your provider and feed you with manna to show you just 
how significant you are, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When David was separated in a cave, David over and over and over again finds himself in caves. Some of the best psalms that we read from David were written in caves. David at one, one point said, God, that you could make, my, make me with the wings of a dove so I might escape to the cave. He learned to embrace the cave. He learned to run to the cave for safety. He learned to run to the cave for intimacy. And what the enemy intended for, for isolation, God began to work for communion with him. Hallelujah. And so the cave reveals often what we've tried to conceal in and of ourselves. And it exposes how we've depended on our, our own ability and, and our, our... Man, it's so easy. Somebody... I feel like it was here. Somebody was talking about how easy it is to have a move of God, a move of emotions, and call it a move of God because our music is so great. Was that Brother Snow who said, who said that the music is better than it's ever been in, in, in churchdom, right? And those of us who are concerned with how to communicate and orate know full well that you can move people without the anointing. You can stir emotions without the Holy Ghost. You can get a response to an altar. We've learned real well to operate without the Holy Ghost. We've learned real well how to operate in our own strength, in our own knowledge, in our own abilities, in our own solutions, by our own programs, in our own systems. But if we're going to see revival, it's going to be because we relent and say, I know not, I have not, I cannot. The only answer is you, Jesus. The only solution is the Holy Spirit. Dick Brogdon said, Pentecostal by necessity, not by choice. Oh, I've got no other option but to live by the Holy Spirit, to speak by the anointing, the unction of the Holy Spirit, to depend on, oh, like Paul, in Him I live and I move and I have my being. I know no other way. I must have Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. cave becomes a place of separation. Not only does he reveal who I really am in the cave, he also strips me of every misplaced dependency and everything that I've tried to do and everything I thought would work and every person I'm angry at because they didn't follow through. And if they had followed through, then maybe it would have worked out better. And they would have just, if X, Y, and Z, and if that person hadn't done all of that kind of stuff, and if this person hadn't brought a black mark on, cave reveals the things that I've depended on, the real me. And it forces me to a place or invites me to a place 
of surrender, the separation of letting go. And when my hands are open, when this is my posture, I can hold on to nothing else. And I'm forced to let go of my ideas, to let go of my solutions, to let go of the applaud of men, the approval of men. And say, God, if it's not you, it's not anything. The cave was the most fruitful place for, for David. It was the most fruitful place for Elijah. The cave was the most fruitful place for Daniel. It was a fruitful place for Paul. It looked like a prison. It's a cave. All of his best writings in a cave. Cave. He didn't bring me to a cave. For you to die, but for your spirit to live. The cave is a place, watch this, for resurrection. This is the most fruitful place. For Christ, for three days in a cave. Lazarus was dead four days in a cave. But what does Jesus do? He speaks to the cave. And that which was dead comes to life. Amen. And when I allow that old me, that Adam within me, to die, the real me that he's come to speak to, the one that he preordained from the foundation of the earth, the one that Jeremiah didn't even believe in, oh me, God, you've, called, you've ordained me from the, I'm just a youth, just wait a minute, Jeremiah, the spirit's going to, the spirit man's going to catch up and you're going to walk in authority, you're going to walk in power, and so that doesn't happen unless I'm willing to yield Evie is, uh, she likes her dollies and her princesses. One of the most difficult things to teach a little girl, I found, is that in order to play with the, the doll, you've got you've to you've take the doll out of the package. You've got to undo the whirly twirlies and the zip zip size, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Any parents in the house? But the kid is over there in the corner like, no, I want it now. I want it now. I can give it to you now. But you can't play with it now. It's in the box. But I bought it for you. Don't you know I'm going to give it to you? I want to make it right. And can I tell you for every... For the MAP students, for every person in here who's believing for the more of God and ready to step into it right now. Can I tell you that you can trust the God who formed, the God who's gifted you? And can I tell you that 
if you'll just surrender the gifting. Are you with me? If you'll surrender the calling. Oh, I know that we can seek our own promotion. Be careful. The enemy will promote you out of the will of God. (laughs) But when I'm walking in divine assignment, I don't go to the highest bidder. I go where I'm called. And it may not be the stage I like, and it may not be the leadership I like. David, serve Saul, God's anointed. Serve Saul, God's anointed, until it's your time, because this is where I've placed you. I'm not saying that, I'm not just quoting scripture, this is my own life. I've told you time and time again how many times I've tried to lead Garfield Middle School. But the Holy Spirit says, you don't pick where you serve. You're on assignment here. And until that assignment lifts... I'm just following orders, following marching orders, <laughs> following marching orders. I told you recently, lots of money offered at a other, uh, lots of money. I'm telling my wife, we're going to homeschool those babies now. You're going to be home. And we had that conversation, right? Yeah. Several six figures. Like, you know, it's, yeah, amen. I've been sowing, and now it's time to reap. And the harvest is overtaking the, overtaking the reaper, thus saith God. And then Russ comes with a word and ruins all of my plans. <clears throat> he hadn't even been able to make it to church in, I don't know, probably 12 weeks. And all of a sudden, I'm teasing. And so I come up here, not even responding to the message, just going to talk to the Lord. Right? I don't remember the message at all. I was just like, I need to go up here and pray about this really quick. Let's check that off the off the list because I haven't prayed about it yet and then thus saith God like I'm telling you why we're on assignment what if the young missionary apprentices what if the next assignment is at a church of 15 and it's not on the mission field do you have the guts to say yes then when it's not the glory, when it's not the stage, when it's not the lights, we go on assignment. We're sent ones. <laughs> Can you trust him with the gift? Because he's, he's in the process, and he's going to give it to you. But you can trust it because he's got good hands. He's a good God. And when the time's right, you'll actually be able to play with it. And until then, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. Like You'll probably end up putting it in the corner somewhere. You'll probably be mad. be mad. Why did I pick that one? Why did God give me this gift? And you'll run to, you'll, if you're not careful, you'll run to a cave, and the cave will be your grave because you don't trust the one that's speaking to you in the cave. So the cave is an invitation for resurrection, for resurrection, amen, for resurrection life. Oh, people take notice when there's resurrection. People come to see when there's resurrection life, amen, amen. And so tonight, 
we see from Elijah. He thought he was going to the cave to die. But it was a divine appointment from the God of heaven who wanted to reveal who Elijah really was. And he says to him, in verse 11, he said, Go, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And the Bible says, And great and strong wind tore the mountains and broken pieces of rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of the low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face, this time, in his cloak. And he went out, and he stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he goes through, he has to take him through all of the, all of the lights and all of the, all of the, the awe and, and, and all of the glamour, all the showing that it's not in that. It's not in the celebration. It's not in the emotion. It's not in the shining lights. It's not in the platforms. It's not in what they've made it. It's not in what we've made church to be. It's not about you, Elijah. But it's about me. It's about finding me. It's about learning to run to the cave. It's about learning to run to intimacy, run to the place of restoration, running to the running to the one who knows, running to the one who cares, the one who's promised, the one whose word will never fail, the one who's esteemed his word above his very name. Amen. And so I, I want I want a generation in this house to understand that as appealing as fame is in churchdom, don't fall for it. It's too many that are willing to do the will of God and make Jesus famous as long as they get to be famous too. They're willing to follow the anointing of God and walk in the anointing of God as long as they get celebrated too. But this isn't the invitation. It's for us to decrease, as John said, and to allow him to increase. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's about willing to serve when we don't feel like serving. It's about willing to give honor when we don't feel like giving honor. It's about showing up when we don't feel like showing up. Being faithful when we got every reason to be unfaithful. Hallelujah. It's about, it's about, it's about demonstrating the goodness of God oh, to those that are desperate, those that have heard otherwise. It's about reminding a generation that they're more than they've been told. They're more than they've imagined about themselves. Oh, but there is a God who sees with love, who's built them with purpose. Hallelujah. Jessica, if you'll play, because I need to close. Jessica used to watch uh, all of the, you know, the Grammys and, you know, the award shows, you know, the Gram what are the Oscars, all this kind of stuff. Golden Globes. And then she got saved, you know, and she turned her heart to the Lord. And she, we've been praying for her for a long time. 
I married her believing that the Lord, you know, would save her, use me. No, I'm kidding. But you're familiar. And you know that all the reason why she watched is is probably why a lot of a lot of uh, people that are I was going to say women, but I guess men are into fashion too. And, uh, that doesn't make you strange or weird. Um, maybe a little weird, but it's okay. Uh, you'll notice that um, on the red carpet, they don't ever ask an attendee um, what they're wearing. Right? Instead, they ask what? it doesn't really matter what they're wearing. They're not interested. They want to know whose hands fit on the clothes. They want to know the designer. And it's the designer that gives value to the garment. about the anoint the, the destination of where you're trying to go and the vision that God has given you for your own that's great it's not about that and that's not what gives you value do you know that your value doesn't come from your calling your value doesn't come from your anointing it doesn't come from your gifts that have been fixated on a destination in this kingdom walk. I can remove my eyes from the destination that brings so much, so much stress, so much anxiety, so much worry, so much disappointment. It was never about the destination at all. It was all about the handiwork of God. It's all about the formation of this life into the holiness of God. It's all about the journey. It's all about who, what he's doing on the inside of me. And if I'll get that right, I'll get to my destination. And better than getting at my destination is being able to stay at my destination. And it's the grace of God, is anointing, it's the character that he's carved out on the inside of me that will allow me to remain where he's placed me. Hallelujah. And so I come to tell somebody tonight, the cave, it's not your grave. The enemy's a liar. The Holy Spirit is here to meet with you. The Holy Spirit is to remind, come to remind you, oh, there's a great deal more about you than you've believed. There's a great deal more about the calling, about the anointing, about the mission that he sent you on. He's not left you alone, but he's still working. Oh, his hands are still on you. He's still forming. He's still molding. He's still going before. Oh, my God. He's still working on your behalf. Amen. Thanks be to God. And this is the rest that we enter into. Be it a wilderness, be it a cave, be in the limelight of grace. I rest in his hands and trusting and knowing that his work is being accomplished in me. I can walk in freedom if I can know that. Amen. Hallelujah.
cave has come to your life, perhaps, to reveal the things that you've been relying on, to reveal the error, to strip away what he doesn't value and what he wants to give you instead. He's come to remind you of a call that he's got for you, to remind you there's work yet to do, that his hand's still at work, and to bring back to life the thing that you thought was long gone. Bow your heads across this room. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven Youth Church. We love you, fam. The best is yet to come.